Back on the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, The Fan, Justin Cuthbert, and Ailish Forfar. Still digesting the big news out of the NHL, Bo Horvat, which is the hardest name in hockey to say for whatever reason I can't quite understand. But on his way to the New York Islanders for Anthony Beauvillier, Tony Be- Beauvillier? I don't know how Patrick Galvin put it. He said he I really felt like it was like an dramatized it, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Sounded pretty cool. Anyway, <laughs> Beauvillier, Ratti, and a first-round pick. To talk about that and more, we have our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. That insider is none other than R.A., co-founder and co-host of the Spitting Chicklets podcast. What's going on, R.A.? Good morning, folks. I love the little beastie boys playing. It's really for those guys. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. I thought that was a nice choice. Um, okay, so Horvat goes to Long Island. Initial reaction to that trade? Uh, a little bit of a surprise. I mean, the Islanders aren't typically the name you always hear out there, but they needed to do something. Uh, Lou gave them a little cheering out last week. They went 2-0. Uh, but they got old and slow quick, man. The league got faster than them. Uh, so I think Lou might, I don't know if he's playing for his job, but it, it's a hell of a move if they can sign him long-term. Uh, if they don't, it's a pretty big price to pay for a rental, the standard, you know, play a pick and a prospect. But I, I don't think um, Vancouver, I don't think anyone can swindle, basically. If uh, I can sign him, great. If not, then, you know, then it's a bad trade for Lou. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty cut and dry. Like, it, it seems worthwhile, even though you might be thinking it's a little misguided in the moment, given where the Islanders may be on their timeline. But if they can retain a player of Bo Horvat's quality, uh, I think that's a reasonable or at least an acceptable price to pay uh, for that sort of player. Uh, thinking about the deadline, though, like Boston, maybe this was a little angst in the Toronto market, but we always figured that Horvat might end up being the replacement for Patrice Bergeron. He might end up with the Boston Bruins. It seemed like that made too much sense. Is there disappointment in the Boston market that Bo Horvat didn't land with the Bruins? Uh, every time a, a player that's going to get traded doesn't come to Boston, there's disappointment in Boston. There's, they think every time there's a trade, it should happen. Why did the Bruins do it? Blah, blah, blah. And I understand how the fan base is similar, but uh, I, I wasn't expecting them. I, mean, I just what they make. Uh, again, are they, they going to be able to sign them right away? I don't, I don't think the Bruins need them right now. Uh, I think they could get some depth pieces, maybe a little additional scoring, maybe a, a, another defenseman. But, I mean, look what they're doing right now. I don't think you really want to want to take away. I mean, same with Toronto. Would you, would you even want to take it with the Leafs right now? They're rolling, man. You don't want to mess with that chemistry. Yeah, well, the Bruins are rolling into the Maple Leafs tomorrow on their biggest losing streak of the season. So we'll get to that. But if you're looking at the trade deadline, <laughs> yeah, you know we had to say it. We're looking at the trade deadline, um, and maybe you weren't really, like, expecting Bo Horvat to be a Boston Bruin. But in your eyes, what is it that they do need? You mentioned a couple depth pieces, but if there's a, a white whale or someone that you're really circling in the Boston market, who's that guy? Um, you know, I've come to expect the unexpected when it comes to, to Don Sweeney. Um, I, I don't know. I, I just don't think there's really one person out there that, go oh, grab this guy. I mean, I would even say, like, a defenseman like uh, Luke Shen or, or Joel Edmondson, someone like that. I, I think the Bruins will grab just another big, rugged defenseman just to, to have, you know, a little extra depth. I mean, they got four right now, but, you know, if he were to go down, they don't really have somebody who can replace him and what he does on the defensive end. Uh, so, yeah, I would say something like that. I, I'm not expecting anything too too big or too splash from the bees. I mean, hell, if they do it, great. I just uh I don't see it happening as far as like a big, huge blockbuster. Well, you mentioned it. They they don't really need anything at this point because they've been rolling, having one of their best uh, 
record-breaking season so far. They've kind of defied the odds. I think uh, the preseason predictions and this offseason were not really sure where the Boston Bruins would go. They, they kept the band together, and they've certainly impressed beyond belief this year. Were you surprised of how the direction this team has gone since the start of the season and what they've been able to accomplish now um, at the end of January? Yes, very surprised. Uh, I I kind of graded them probably a second tier uh, contender, not necessarily in that upper echelon, or like you know in Tampa Bay and maybe you know uh, Vegas or whoever else you think was going to be in the final mid this year. The Bruins, I was like, oh, maybe a second round team, but uh, Linus Elmark is looking much like the goalie the Bruins thought they were getting last year. Uh, he's been lights out. Of course, you're upgrading your second center from Eric Hall. No disrespect to David Krejci, who's a Hall of Fame level talent, and and that ripples out the rest of the lineup and. Uh, yeah, it's way head and shoulders above, uh, I think, what anybody thought they were going to do. But, you know, it's still a regular season, and it means nothing. Uh, and, you know, it's all about the playoffs. I mean, records are nice, but I kind of don't mind this little three-game skid right now because, you know, they kind of need a little punch in the face because, you know, we saw what happened at Tampa a couple of years ago versus Columbus. Is part of the surprise just how much Bruce Cassidy seemed to suppress this team? Like, yeah, we've seen a lot of great performances and bounce-back performances, but just the want to be a Boston Bruin, to be a part of that team, to to come back and run it back, like, is that one of the underappreciated storylines is just, like, how much it wasn't working between Cassidy and that core? Yeah, I think I think full marks to Jim Montgomery. Uh, I thought he was a great move when they brought him in. He's you know proven to be the right choice. As far as Cassidy, yeah, I, I, the media here cried, and you know you would have thought the guy was the second coming to Toe Blake, but the media loves when you give him a good quote. But uh, you know he wore out the players, man. That's what happens. Those those guys are hired to be fired eventually. Sometimes it's four, five, six years in, and Cassidy just wouldn't let, lay off those young guys. And I think we're seeing evidence of that this year. You look at the year that Trent Frederick happened. Uh, you know, Jake DeBrusk, another guy who's having a great year. He, from what I understand, just didn't really want to uh, adjust much to the younger kids. And, you know, like it or not, and I know it's like a boomer here, but, you know, you've got to adapt to these kids today. They're not what they were 20 years ago. The tough love doesn't work. You have to find another way. That you have to explain things to them a lot different. And, you know, he killed their confidence, and, and we're seeing it with the difference this year. Montgomery kind of, you know, took a different approach, and, and uh, it's been much better for those guys. So you mentioned a punch in the face. Well, maybe that's uh, hopefully coming from Toronto tomorrow night with the Bruins <laughs> crumbling, coming into town there. As we mentioned, their three-game losing streak, you know, nothing uh, to really sound the alarm about, I guess. In Boston, maybe for you, a little bit of a wake-up call. What's been the reason for this stretch? Is it just the way that the season has gone, you're expected to have a little bit of a let-up, or is there something tangible that you've seen that, that needs to be addressed maybe after the All-Star break? Nah, just one of those inevitable, uh, you know, things that's going to happen during the season. I mean, it took until well, late January to even have a losing streak when when they lost two in a row. So, you know, I, I think I've probably been expecting it. I mean, you know, like I said, I don't want them to go the whole season without losing a couple of games in a row. But no, there's there's nothing wrong there. I mean, I think it, it was it was bound to happen at some point. And you got to consider the competition too. Uh, they went from Tampa, who's you know been the last three Stanley Cups, over to Florida, who's you know, a little bit of a disappointment, although I think they turn around and then up to Carolina or bought a fine contender. So it's not like they lost the three slouches either. But, uh, yeah, in the, in the long run, I think it's good for them. They, uh, I don't see see any flaws whatsoever. They, I mean, there were some games earlier in the year they probably should have lost, but uh, because they've been on such a heat that they ended up winning those games. So, yeah, I mean, I'm sure on local sports radio, which I, I don't listen to down here, I'm sure they're hitting the panic button and getting everybody riled up because that's what they do. But uh, I think your average, you know, common sense fan is like, yeah, you know, it, it's, a, it's a long season that happens. Like, well, let's see what happens in the playoffs. Okay, you might not have the complete picture if you're not listening to the radio, but the Boston-centric viewpoint of the Toronto Maple Leafs right now is what? 
the Boston Red Sox pre-2004. That is to say the lovable losers, oh, they can't do it. They're goofballs. They'll never win it, blah, blah, blah. And then eventually they do. So, But you guys are pre-2004 Red Sox. That's exactly what it is. So who's going to be their Yankees? Um, well, we, I'd say we're your Yankees right now. <laughs> that's, that's weird. That sounds to say the Boston guy. Uh, I don't know. you got you got to slay the dragon. Um, I would say it's more of a first-round dragon than, than a Boston dragon. But, you know, uh, we're on a collision course. If you guys beat Tampa, it's a, you know, division play, though, like it looks like it's going to. Um, you know, if something, if it's the first round you get by, and then it's the Bruins, now you're going to play two dragons. But it's the Stanley Cup. It's not easy. You got to beat, you know, three good teams. And the other ones won the Cup. So I hope we do meet. It's great. The drama will be outstanding. And, you know, I mean, Matthews has been more determined than ever to, to slay that dragon. And, and just it just hasn't happened. So uh, every year, the whole hockey world has made breath. We're chatting with R.A., the co-founder and co-host of the Spitting Chicklets podcast. Uh, Brad Marchand weighed in on the Trevor Zegras storyline over the weekend, uh, telling a reporter, I believe, to shut his pie hole was the uh, <laughs> the correct term. Uh, what have you been able to decode that? Like, what was Marchand getting to when he asked when he tweeted that? Uh, I. I... Trying to figure out the same thing. I think a lot of the uh, Twitter sleuths were. Uh, I know that when Zegers played the Bruins recently, he, he was kind of being a wise ass. He pissed a lot of them off with his mouth. Uh, so I'm sure I'm alluding to that now. You know, hockey players that they gossip more than, than a, you know a bunch of 80 year old women on the clothesline on the back porch. They know everything that goes on. So I don't know if Marshawn heard the story legit and was telling Craig be quiet. You know, what talking about or if he was just for doing it just to be Marshawn because it was related to Zegers. Uh, uh, from for what we've heard, it was nothing to do with what the internet idiots were saying about you know talking about a deceased dad. I mean, that just sounded stupid from the get go. Uh, you got uh, uh, non amateur lip readers determine them. What they said and people just like believe in them. It's like, wait, wait you know, people just uh, dumb on the internet sometimes, and you know, like uh, it was nothing like that. What we've been told, what I've been told, and, and it didn't even make sense from the get go. So uh, I, I know everyone's got, got a target on that kid's back now, but it, it, I, I actually went back and read all the old tweets to see where it originated, and it was literally just somebody saying it off the cuff, like uh, always talking about his family, and then someone mentioned the dad, and then it was literally, uh, it was crazy to watch this rumor in real time come out, and like now, now they're gonna hang the scholar letter on the kid, and he, and he didn't even do anything with with the thinking. And I know people say. Well, he obviously said some offense, and it's like, right, but there's degrees, there's levels, you know, and, and talking about a, a dead relative is probably the worst of the worst. There's a lot, whatever he said was lower than that. So, you know, uh, I don't know. If the, the hockey players, they'll sort it out and punch each other in the face because that's what they do. <laughs> Hopefully there's no punching in the face of the uh, hockey game you guys are hosting on April 15th. You got uh, the best of New York facing off against each other. Tell us a little bit about that at UBS Arena. Um, and also, how are our guy Colby's doing down there? Because we miss him a little bit. He's sharing time above the border and with you guys. And, uh, you know, he's big-leaguing us. We never get to talk to him anymore. No, oh, Colby's the best. Uh, he's a fantastic guy. Uh, obviously, if you know him, you know how funny he is. He's uh, it's been great to have him in my life. He's become he's become a good guy. So, uh, yeah, any, anytime Smith Colby's a good time. But uh, as far as the NYPD, thank you for bringing that up. They are playing at the Islanders Arena on Long Island UBS uh, UBS Arena, April fifteenth. And Barstool Sports is going to be televised uh, exclusively. Um, it used to be on ESPN. The ESPN didn't have the rights this year, so we swooped in and got on Barstool.tv, I believe it is. It's free. There's no charge or anything. We're going to be doing, you know, a live broadcast of the game, and uh, I'm not sure if I'm uh, between the benches roll or roving around like P.M. McGuire or whatever, but uh, <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun and uh, kind of a, you know, a little fantasy camp, I guess. That's what some of us always want to be playing with the guys. 
where there'll be betting odds on this? Uh, you know what? It may well be. Um, that's a good question. I haven't thought of that. Uh, sometimes with the amateur things, they, they do they do post them. But, yeah, uh, I haven't seen enough of these teams to, to post a line. But um, that's a good question. I'll have to look into that. All right. There you go. You can uh, you can set the lines, and we'll be playing up here, and we'll be watching as well. And uh, Thanks for the advice, TV, And hopefully that works up in Canada. We'll tune in on April 15th. Absolutely. Thanks, thanks so much. We'd love the support. It's a of good course. game, too. Those guys kill each other up there. <laughs> Can't wait. Well, thanks for joining us this morning, RA, and hopefully get to chat down the road. All right. Co-founder and co-host of Spit and Chicklets and our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online. And in the showroom, visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. So he said it like it feels like the Boston Bruins, you know, man, they just might need a depth move, right? Shore up the, the the blue line a little bit, get another nasty player on the back end to play against. That would make sense with the mm-hmm. with the Bruins. But as he said, they always surprise. They always find a way to surprise you. Last year, Hampus Lindholm, when maybe the, the expectation wasn't what what it was this year or what it is this year, we'll see what the Bruins have up their sleeve. They always seem to have something. We didn't get to talk to it, but um, obviously the pasture next stuff is at least getting closer. He's having one of his best seasons. He's a pending UFA, which is something we don't really talk about much because I just think it's assumed that they'll find a way to continue to have him on their squad. He's got, what, a six and a half million cap hit over the last six years. I just think it'll be a big consideration, but I I don't have a feeling that Pasternak would look elsewhere. Do you know what I mean? Like he's a part of this band of brothers and I just, it would be outrageous to no. imagine him in a different sweater. I mean, maybe in a world where Bruce Cassidy was still the head coach. Like, it seemed yeah, like that was a big, big consideration for a lot of those players. Patrice Bergeron, I don't know if you... Like, we other people have, like, had varying degrees of uh, confidence in the reporting behind Bergeron not coming back if it was Cassidy mm-hmm. or so on and so forth. But the fact that a guy like him was ready to give up a, on a team like that, perhaps, and retire earlier than he needed to because of a coach... Like and then that, comes that, back. It just, Krejci comes back. Like, it just seems, again, smoke, there's fire. We talk about it all the time. We don't know. We're speculating a little bit. But when it's said over and over and over again, you tend to believe it. And I feel like Pasternak would be in the same camp as a David Krejci, obviously countrymen and, and good friends. So I feel like it does matter. It does matter who's coaching that team. It does matter um, who's guiding the ship there. Patrice Bergeron being a part of that. And I think, you know, they might be going towards a bit of a transit transitional phase in their timeline, but I don't think it'll upset anything with uh, David Pasternak. I think he's going to sign a big deal. He just doesn't seem like he's in much of a rush. For the last couple of weeks, we were circling tomorrow's game against the Bruins at home the day before the trade or the the Austin, I wish it was, the All-Star break happens as one of the big games of the season. Not many right now to kind of compare and contrast against the best of the best, but it feels like it's lost a little bit of his luster. No Austin Matthews, the fact that, you know, Ilya Samsonov was just kind of rolled into that without the competition that we had predicted for the last two weeks. You know, they're going to split some of these games and it's his net to earn. Well, he's certainly earned it, but he's also been kind of placed in that opportunity where there isn't a conflict of having to battle it out at this point. I actually, sorry, no, I didn't no. mean to interrupt. Go I ahead. actually kind of hate the timing. Mm. Because like on it's like, oh, wow, like what a perfect way to lead into like a big game. Yeah, and everyone we can fired put, up everyone about can it. Everyone can put all their investment and time and really like this is going to be to quote you, the ultimate litmus I test. I was waiting for someone else However, to say it. However, I feel like, you know, one team might have their mind on something mm-hmm. else. There might be people ready to, you know, throw the Hawaiian shirts on and get tropical. There might be like, you might, there might be something, it might be a 6-1 game one way or the other and we have all these grand judgments, but really it didn't matter all that much because 
the focus might be elsewhere. I just have a feeling it might be a game like that. Oh, and that's exactly it. I, I not feel disappointed, but I feel like it's going to be hard to gain anything from this game other than, hey. And the Matthews factor is huge. You're giving your big last effort before you go on a break. Yeah, you could be distracted both teams. But what's the big scheme of this? It was a, a litmus test. It was a tee up, but could be a second round playoff. But without some of the major players, it's certainly lost the shine a little bit. Bruins might be a little pissed off, though, on this on this little losing streak. We'll see. Or if... they get punched in the face, like R.A. said. There you go. <laughs> Hopefully they can be our Yankees. Yeah, well, oh, I hated that one. The game's at 7.30 as well tomorrow. Pushing it back. <laughs> well, I'm a fan of that. I'm just mentioning it because usually it's the 7 p.m. puck drop. And then you get Raptors at 9 p.m. But we got no Maple Leafs, no Raptors in the lineup tonight. Still have time to send in your wake and rakes. We're going to do that after our next guest who's going to join us. A rare four-guest day for us. But let's give away some tickets while we're at it. Luke Bryan's coming to Budweiser stage this summer on June 17th. And we're giving away tickets all week long. All you have to do is tune in to the Fan Morning Show every day this week and listen for the code word. Then text the code word to 59590 and you'll be entered for a chance to win a pair of tickets to the show. Today's code word, one margarita. Text one margarita to 59590 right now for your chance to win. We're giving away another pair of tickets tomorrow. If you don't win with us this week, make sure you secure your tickets by going to Ticketmaster.ca starting on Friday at 10 a.m. That's one margarita. I'm sure more than one margarita will be consumed during the All-Star break. I was going to say one margarita is enough to win these tickets, but not enough for me. Now, if you're having one, you might as well have four. Yeah, I'm with you. Like it's just, you're opening the door for margaritas. You, What's uh, one do? You like the spicy margarita, or are you just? Yeah, it has to be spicy margarita. I love a spicy. So good. I and I need a salt rim. Who puts sugar on their margaritas? We can't be friends. I'm with you. Like salt that rim, is just spicy gross. margarita. I like a good spicy margarita. Um, I don't like sweet drinks anyway. Like it's not for me. Good strong whiskey. Hair on your chest. <laughs> Feel it in your loins. On the rocks. Oh. <laughs> Justin. I had to break it out at one point. All right. Well, best of luck. One margarita today and maybe more during the break. Uh, We are going to take a break. Uh, Randy Janda joining us. Canucks color analyst, Sportsnet 650. Welcome. And host Hockey Night Canada as well. We're going to have a breakdown of what it's like in Vancouver now that Bo Horvat has flipped to the East Coast, New York Islanders, and maybe if both teams were desperate to make this move. That's next on the other side of the break. Covering the Raptors in depth like no one else. The Raptor Show with Will Liu. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back on the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. We're into the wake and rake segment a little early. Usually, what's the cutoff? 8.30? You, yeah. You've been bending those rules, but technically we're starting the segment before 8.30, so you got two and a half minutes in left to get your wake and rake submissions in for tonight, a Toronto sportsless night. What are you going to do with your viewing? NHL down to three games after just one yesterday. The bye week's in full swing. Busy night in the NBA, though, so there's enough to choose from. Apparently, Neil doesn't have a pick in, in the tennis world. So Don't we're, we're tell people that know, yet. scraping turn, the bottom of the barrel. turn off the radio. Scraping <laughs> the bottom of the barrel a little bit when it comes to 
sports picks, mm-hmm. but not at all when it comes to guests in the 830 block. Uh, joining us now is Randy Janda, Canucks color analyst, Sportsnet 650 Vancouver, and of course, host of Hockey Night Canada Punjabi. What's going on, Randy? Thanks for uh, joining us this morning. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me. I'm actually talking about the bye week. I'm in Toronto right now, so Welcome. I'm fully enjoying my bye week. Yeah. There you go. What's in Toronto this week for you? Just hanging out. I had an uh, awesome meet and greet uh, for a lot of Hockey Night Canada Punjabi viewers out in Brampton, so I thought I'd take a couple of days and enjoy the city while I'm here. Awesome. That sounds terrific. Uh, maybe we can convince you to come in studio with us tomorrow to join us. Just, uh, you know, <laughs> get the full swing in. Uh, with, with the Canucks and Islanders, did desperation find desperation here? Obviously, the Canucks may be forced forced to come to the conclusion where they have to move Bo Horvat based on what he might prioritize in free agency. And then the Islanders desperate to change the fortunes this season, desperate to, uh, to make something of this year, make something of the Lou Lamorello era. Did, did you find that two teams who needed each other ultimately did find each other yesterday? Yeah, this is a team I was, you know, it's funny. I was talking to Brendan Batchelor, the, the play-by-play voice of the Canucks a couple of weeks ago. And, and the Islanders and Atu Ratu is a name that I, kind of was kind of mulling over because if you look at some of the, the contenders that maybe Bo Horvat could have been dealt to, uh, they really lack the center prospects unless you're, unless you're talking about really high-end names. And the Islanders, with Aturatu, his former second-round pick, was the name that I kept on circling back to where he's a player, he's a good player, he's a player that should be, you know, uh, really fell down the draft order. Um, and this is, to your point, a very desperate team in the Islanders. If you look at their core pieces, they're in their late 20s, the early 30s, they got to make a move now. And with the Canucks, hey, they made their pick. It's JT Miller, whether you love it, whether you hate it, uh, gave him $56 million. And to me, that was, you know, Bo Horvat is having an arid and judge type of year where he is essentially outscoring what anybody thought he could do. So when you're in that situation and the Canucks can't afford him long-term, his number is skyrocketed. And you have the Islanders who are a team that needs to do something now. They need to make the playoffs, let alone try to do something in the playoffs. Uh, this was a perfect match in that sense. And, you know, anybody I've talked to in the hockey world, you're either on, hey, the Vancouver Canucks could have done better or the Islanders could have done, you know, they gave up a, a really good prospect. So it feels, it feels like it falls kind of right in the middle where when both time sides are kind of criticizing a deal and saying, you know, one team got robbed, the other team got robbed, that usually means that's a pretty fair deal, especially for a player that doesn't have a, an extension uh, checked in. So I, I think this was a, a pretty good fit for both teams. Okay, interesting that you brought up Rati first because I, I was interested in getting your like power rank of the three assets going back to Vancouver. Like, How would you, in terms of importance, in terms of excitement, intrigue, how would you, and value being also very, very important, how would you rank what's coming back to Vancouver? Well, okay, there's no, no mistake here that folks in Vancouver are going to be cheering for their own tank. Uh, they're going to also be cheering for the Islanders to tank as well because you know if you can essentially get a 2023, the conditional pick is, um, is the first round pick is huge for the Canucks and where they're at right now. But I think with, you know, there are worries that, that the Canucks would try to get maybe a 24 or 25 year old player. And I think a lot of uh, Canucks fans were, were not happy with that. They didn't want a, a player in this deal that was essentially on their second contract. Maybe it fizzled a little bit. Maybe it was looking for a, a reclamation project. So I think with Ratu, Ratu has got to be the number one piece in this deal. Cause you don't know what that first round pick will be, whether it's this year or next. Um, so, you know, organizationally, the Canucks have a real lack of depth when it comes to centers. Uh, they have a real lack of depth when it comes to right shot D, and that hasn't been addressed. But I think Aturatu is definitely the first piece in this deal. Now, the first-round pick, depending on where that lands, uh, it's top 12 protected this year. Uh, that, that might move up the chain a little bit, depending on you know, the rankings a little bit. But I think Ratu 
it's an organizational need. And if you look across the league, you know, I, I saw the, um, you know, Carolina was mentioned, Boston was mentioned. Here's the problem. Those teams didn't have um, a, a center that they're willing to move. Uh, there were not other teams that were willing to move a center with Ratu. This is a guy that's going to be really matches up well with the next window that the Canucks believe that they have, which is probably in about two to three years where they can try to be a playoff team. So I think with, uh, you know, looking at these rankings, uh, Ratu is probably the number one piece because there is a player. List. This is a guy that was supposed to be a first round talent that fell down the pecking order in the 2021 draft. And, um, and so definitely number one on the list. So on the other side of it, the Islanders are getting a UFA at this moment with Bo Horvat. You know, obviously nothing confirmed in terms of a pending contract, but in your opinion, do you believe that there's got to be something unwritten right now for him to be become an Islander for, for long-term or do you still have a little bit of a cautious uh, feeling that maybe he would be flipped again or not live out the rest of his career as an Islander. Yeah. The thing with this one is uh, you guys know better than a lot of folks. Lou Lamarillo is very calculated, right? When he makes a move, uh, there's, there's generally a move right after that, but he's, he's extremely bold. And I think in the, in the situation right now, he needs a bump from his team. He needs some goal scoring. So, you know, when I look at the Bo Horvat deal, I, I think it's a, Hey, get us into the playoffs. Add to our power play, become a goal scorer, show what you can do, you know, in that top six. But, I think with Bo Horvat, if you've made it this far, um, you probably want to test free agency. This guy's having an unbelievable year, a year where, you know, six and a half million was probably the market value previously to this year, where you're saying, okay, this guy's, this guy's worth that much. He's, you know, career high of 31 goals. Guys, he's at 31 goals and it's January 31st. You know, this is, this is a, a, you know, new territory for him. So as far as, you know, the Islanders being a permanent home or the home for him, I'm not necessarily buying that until a deal is done. It's, it's, you know, it's not done, but I do wonder, I think with Bo Horvat, if you look at the centers available in the off season, uh, Dylan Larkin and him are probably the two guys in that age range that you're willing to get long-term deals. We know Ryan O'Reilly's not the same player. We know Jonathan Taves is not the same player. So, you know, I think the Islanders would be definitely an appealing destination. Bo Horvat could probably be the best, one of the best second second line centers in the league. However, you know, his agent has said before that, he believes his client is a 1C, a first-line center. If all it takes is one, one team to pay that price, and, you know, you get that money, whether that's $8 million. So I think he still tests mar- the market. We'll see what happens in the future, but all it takes is that one team to push that price figure a little bit higher. And, you know, Dylan Larkin and Bo Corvette, for that matter, could, be, could get paid really, really well uh, in the next few months here. Yeah, I mean, the personality for Horvat might be such that, hey, he just wants the insurance. If the Islanders are willing to give it to him, what he wants, pays demands, then he'll just be happy uh, having that deal, having that insurance, and knowing what his next contract will be. But it is also hard to believe, 30 games left, that he'd be this close and gone through what he's gone through, that he wouldn't test free agency. He wouldn't see what's out there. And, of course, I think the success of this deal for the New York Islanders hinges on that decision ultimately in the summer uh, for Bo Horvat, if it hasn't been made already. Um, Anthony Beauvillier coming back to Vancouver. How should the Canucks handle Anthony Beauvillier? Two years left, uh, a year after this one, at a little over $4 million. Feels like a decent little trade chip that they've they've bagged here after dealing their most prized trade chip. What do you expect the Canucks to do with Beauvillier? I think with this one, it's uh, as you mentioned, he's got a little bit of term left on his contract. And, and this is a player on two fronts, right? The Canucks have some questions in their top six. Brock Besser, we're not sure what's going to happen there. He's had a, a rough couple of years. Um, Connor Garland, there's been talks about trades with him as well. So there is room in the top six with the Canucks. 
The only guy that they've really locked down on the wing as of right now is Andre Kuzmenko. So for the next year and a bit, I think Bovilli is going to have a chance to, to be a fixture in that top six. However, if this team is you know, not in the running for a playoff spot next year, which you kind of expect them not to be in, I think it's a, it's a great opportunity for the Canucks to maybe cash in on an asset, right? Can you build up that stock? Can you get a player who in the past has been around a 40-point player in, a, in, a, you know, in about 70 games? Can you, can you get him consistent ice time? Can you get him to play in a, probably a little bit more offensive system than he's played in the past? And can you maybe resurrect that value? So I think there's an opportunity to stick, especially with what the Canucks have going on in their top six right now. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with Garland and Besser. But no question this is a trade ship down the future. He's a 25-year-old player. It's that age range that Patrick Alvin, Jim Rutherford want. But if there's a deal coming and if the Canucks are not relevant next year at this time, uh, absolutely. I think there's very few untouchables on this roster. Their names are Elias Pettersson. Their names are Quinn Hughes. And that's pretty much it. Even JT Miller is not an untouchable. So Beauvillier, you know, provides a good option. But everybody's on the table right now, I think, in Vancouver for the next two years. So as the Horvat chapter comes to a close, we can kind of safely say that it wasn't as ugly as the Bruce Boudreaux saga. But I wonder if it's still the lowest point, having to trade your captain under these circumstances. I just wonder how the Vancouver market, although you've been resigned, I think, to having to do this, now that it's been done, how it's being stomached by the Vancouver Canucks fans. As you can imagine, it's been a bit of a roller coaster ride where, you know, Vancouver, it's been, hey, optimism at the beginning of the year. Bruce Boudreau and Bruce, there it is. And now, as you mentioned, Bruce Boudreau out the door. Uh, this is being welcomed in Vancouver in a, in a weird way. There's, I think, a quarter of the fan base is saying, okay, you got to make a move and cash in while the player is hot. Um, I think the majority of the market is resigned to the fact that he's been traded, but and I'm included in this as well as somebody that covers the team, uh, you essentially make the bet to, to prioritize JT Miller instead of Bo Horvat in this deal. And, you know, with this window, it makes sense. With this window, if you're looking at two to three years, uh, this team being relevant, you, you, have to, you have to sell high on a player that, you know, is heading to his age 28 year. This is a guy that turns 28 in April. So I, I think the realization that this team is not there, management and ownership by an extension, acknowledging that this team is, far away from competing, it's actually being welcomed in Vancouver because for a number of years it was, hey, just make the playoffs and you never know what will happen. It's the St. Louis Blues model. The St. Louis Blues model was a one-off. You know, you don't go from last in the league to, to winning the Stanley Cup. It doesn't happen. It maybe happens once in a generation, if that. So I think the market in Vancouver, it's been up, down, a lot of down this year. But oddly enough, the step back is something that's being welcomed for the most part in Vancouver. And it's, you know, it sucks to see a captain go, a guy that's represented the community so well. And Bo Horvat had a, you know, a number of times had the opportunity to interview and chat with them, a stand-up individual. But when you take a macro look at this organization, they need a lot more. They need depth. They need, you know, pieces in the AHL. They need, you know, quality defensemen and centermen. So cashing in right now is a smart move. I mean, they did say they wanted to uh, do major surgery, and I guess this is part one of such a thing, and it can be painful, but it looks like if the fan base is responding to some action and some direction that that might be a positive. So you mentioned a lot of the intangibles that Bo Horvat has. He's obviously a great leader, does a lot in the community. Who fills that void now on the team? Is there someone you see stepping up into that role, or is that someone externally that might have to come in and, and shoulder some of that load? Well, there's three guys that you focus on in Vancouver when you look at the leadership group now, and I'm talking about the guys that will be there long-term. Elias Pettersson, top of the list. He's your best player. 
He's a two-way center. He's trending to be your, you know, your difference maker. And he's already shown that to, to a certain degree, but I think the ceiling is much higher for that player in terms of his ability. Uh, so leadership, hey, he's kind of lead by example. He's the one that's giving his 110% every single night. He's your best player. But the guy that I look at, and I, you know, off the ice, and the way he just kind of presents himself, I, I think Quinn Hughes has a lot more to give here in, in being the next one of the next leaders of the Vancouver Canucks. This is a guy that you know, is extremely mature for his age. He's a guy that has shown on the ice he's, he's got that high-end talent. But even off the ice, just setting the example with his, his mood, his tone, um, you know, the ability and essentially to always want to be better. And it's something that your best players have to have that mentality. It's kind of the Michael Jordan complex, right? Where, Hey, you're maybe not going to be the nicest guy, but you're going to bring your best effort every single ever, every game and, and challenge others to be better. And the other guy that I look at is JT Miller. JT Miller um, is a player that is very fiery. He's a, a very passionate individual. Sometimes it means good things where he's, you know, one of the, the most uplifting guys in the room other times. And you guys have seen this in highlights probably a lot where he's taken out his anger on the bench. He's breaking a stick. He's lashing out the Colin Delia, um, you know, incident in, in Winnipeg is a classic example where he's extremely aggressive. You know, the reason you bring in Rick Tockett is to tap into JT Miller and make sure that energy is positive energy. So I think JT Miller is going to be leaned upon here to be one of the leaders on this team and channel his energy in a positive way where this team is going to be a little bit younger moving forward here. So, how do, you, how do you get some of these guys, whether it's Atu Ratu, whether it's a Vasilipod Colson who's in the AHL, whether it's a Niels Hoaglander, and how do you build towards the next couple of years? You're going to have to be, you know, set a standard, but at the same time, you can't necessarily be entirely negative with this team as, as they start to grow. So I look at those three guys. They're going to have a huge role in this team, and they're really going to influence the younger guys as they come up. So Patrick Alvin was pretty proud of himself boasting about how it's, you know, we basically got three first-round picks coming back. I don't know if he'll be able to get a fourth, but assuming priority one is making sure assets are coming back in, who has to go out the door for Vancouver before the deadline to ensure that this moment in history, this moment in time for Alvin Al is a successful period? Well, one of the, the real, I think, um, shortcomings of this organization going back about four or five years has been accumulating draft picks. And I'm not talking about first-round picks specifically. I mean in general. And if you look at somebody that you guys know well, Luke Shen, you know, he's really resurrected his stock over the last couple of years. Just being a, you know, a leader is one thing, but playing alongside Quinn Hughes, he's won a couple of cups in, in, um, in Tampa Bay. He's turned into a player that everybody loves having on their team. He's, he's one of the stand-up guys in the room. He's, he's going to do the tough things to win. So I think, I don't know what that price is. Maybe it's a second-round pick. You know, maybe it's a third-round pick, but his value has been resurrected in the last couple of years. Uh, that's one player, I think, if you're the Canucks and you've made your move by, by dealing your captain, that one's a no-brainer to me. All of the other moves, I think those are going to be made in the offseason. When you're looking at you know that top six position I was talking about, whether it's Connor Garland, whether it's Brock Besser, whether it's both, those are going to be moves that you look at the offseason when teams have a little bit more cap space, when they can maybe be open to taking on salary. Right now, as you, as you guys know, there's not you know cap space to be had, especially for deals that have term on them. So I'm looking at the UFAs with the Canucks, where you know Luke Shen might be able to get you a draft pick, but the major surgery that you were referencing, whether it's a Tyler Myers, Connor Garland, Brock Besser, that's got to happen in the offseason. And I would not be surprised to see a buyout or two from this team as well, where, where they're really looking to offload a lot of the salary. Because let's be honest, guys, nobody's touching Oliver Ekman Larson's contract. Uh, Tyler Myers' contract is, is a rough one until his bonus is paid out. And even guys like Brock Besser, who had value last year, um, 
How many teams are looking at that right now, the way he's been playing? So the major, major surgery starts in June. Uh, the story will continue. Randy, I'm, I hope Brampton was good to you. Uh, we appreciate you getting up early. I know it's not as early uh, as it is in Vancouver here, but it's still a time adjustment, so we appreciate it anyway. Uh, uh, hopefully we can do this again soon. And again, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. And, and Brampton is always good. Thank you. <laughs> That's Randy Janda, Canucks color analyst for Sportsnet 650 in Vancouver. Of course, host Hockey Night in Canada, Punjabi. You were born in Brampton. I was not. I grew up in Brampton, though. Oh, okay. I'm when did you grow semantic, up? Semantics, semantics. You were born in another hospital and then immediately transported no, to your home in Brampton? I was born in another, in another province, Ailish, Forfar. Where were you born? Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. I had literally no idea about this either. It you was, have all these very, secrets. It was a very short time. It was How long most, were you there mostly for? Brampton. Moment? Three years. Oh, okay. Well, you're still, wow. That's why I got a soft spot An for the Edmonton Oilers in my guy heart. Edmonton guy on Toronto radio? Oof. Edmonton men's. That's crazy. I didn't know that about you. No. What other secrets do you have? Your best friends with celebrities? Surprise, surprise. That's one thing you definitely knew and just decided not to absorb. I did see somebody tweet in about that, that you probably said that one time when I wasn't on the air with you. I don't know. Justin, we'll go back and... I feel like we've also had discussions off air. No, we don't speak off air. Sometimes that seems evident. (laughs) Okay, so... No Toronto sports, as we mentioned tonight. Uh, we do have tomorrow a doubleheader. Bruins facing the Maple Leafs at 7.30 and Raptors on the road. Continuing their trip. Utah. So tonight, you get to be creative with your picks. Mm-hmm. I have unfortunate news for everybody. Neil in Newfoundland said that nothing is worth betting this evening. Hey, you don't. we don't have to force it. We don't have to, but I we just for, wanted to break I, the news. I felt like we forced it yesterday with nothing. The no, Raptors game, obviously, it. worth betting on. He crushed it. Oh. He crushed, crushed it. He had a great pick. Naskova, it was at two and a half. Yeah, one by one seven. One by seven. Just a dominant display. I actually thought she was the dog, so not as quite as good as I originally advertised it as, but still a dominant effort from Neil, and we appreciate that, and bigger tournaments are to come, and we look forward to it. Well, all, I like that he, he knows not to push his luck. Like, tonight's not a night, so we're moving on, Neil. And, and, I, and I kind of wish I we could do that, that, but we do have to make a pick for the wake and rake here. It's <laughs> not exactly a bountiful night in terms of options, no. uh, but we have to make do with what we have. And I will lead things off just because I actually feel decent about it now that I've done my research and I've I've thought more and more about the pick. I got Mm. the Carolina Hurricanes over the LA Kings at home on the three-way line. Of course, we can't play the straight-up money line because it's minus 210 for the Hurricanes. Mm. So I will pick them to win in regulation rather than the puck line. The puck line is actually only at one, what I'm seeing, at plus 125. So that's not bad if you want to potentially put yourself in a position where you push. But I'll take the money line anyway. Uh, it's the last game on a pretty lengthy road trip for the Kings. And, of course, they're going to be going into the All-Star break after that. So it's kind of like, okay, we could be mailing it at this point. We might be at the end of the line in terms of effort. They could be looking forward to other things, moving from one side of the country to the other. Carolina, though, I don't have such concerns about a looming All-Star break because I believe they are one of the best coached teams in the NHL behind Rod Brendamore. So I, I expect Carolina to have a good effort, play really well against an inferior team on home ice. Hurricanes get the job done in regulation over the LA Kings tonight. I like that. That was my logic for last night's game against the Jets because they're at home, same kind of thing. Last game before the All-Star break, they got something to play for. They're a great team. We just saw them, so... I like that Hurricanes in regulation. I'm seeing at 129, so definitely a great pick. I'm going to go to the NBA. 
because I'm not liking anything from the NHL tonight. There's a couple good matchups. Um, I'm liking Lakers and Knicks, 7.30. The Lakers are on their little East Coast trip. They played last night, and they sat some of their stars. I'm not worried about it. Um, Bing Bong Knicks are waiting for them. It's a big star-studded game in the biggest, most famous arena in the world. So they saved their assets for this game, but you're fading them anyway? I am. I'm going to go Knicks on the spread. It's just two and a half. Uh, not confirmed if LeBron and co are going to play, but I don't care. Um, I just think that... Also, the officials hate the Lakers. That's what I was going to say, too. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, tension around that team. I think that they're distracted uh, off the court. I think I saw something, I don't know if it was Twitter and Instagram or Instagram, but it was like a super cut of all the missed calls and all the mm-hmm. aggrieved or all the aggrieved uh, situations that the Lakers found themselves in late game versus the Celtics. I didn't watch it, but I of course (laughs) saw LeBron James reaction after he was fouled, but a couple plays where it looked like the Celtics fully got the benefit of the doubt. And then the opposite could be said for LeBron at the end of the game. And of course he reacts accordingly. So I I don't know if that's a narrative. Maybe it it swings hard the other way where it's like, wow, we messed up last time versus the Lakers. Well, they don't have an excuse. But when you get Pat Bev showing the referee of camera, (laughs) they're probably a little pissed off about that too. So maybe this saga continues here and the Lakers continue to not get the benefit of the whistle. But typically with LeBron teams, uh, there'll be some eyes on what's happening and maybe it's more of an even game. But either way, Knicks should be, or they are favorites at Madison It's slim too, but this is their first matchup at the season which is crazy to me and yes lebron and ad didn't play last night they're probably gonna play tonight but you got randall and the knicks and i think that there's a big stage tonight and everyone's gonna bring their best effort i would expect like lebron goes off at msg so i was gonna say can, gonna can we a get game. a lebron number they don't have it up at least where i'm looking right yeah, now because but he's a LeBron, confirmed, but lebron points would seem and he's at, chasing an all-time record that you know is important in resting all-time madison square garden annoyed from last game it seems like it could be a lebron night you know that it sounds like i'm convincing myself out of this pick but i'm not I'm still liking it, and I still want to bet it. But And to be clear, I'm not trying to convince you otherwise. No, no, no. It's all good. Um, so Knicks on the spread, just two and a half there uh, tonight against the Lakers at home. You've got Hurricanes in regulation. Um, let's pick an anchor pick. You want to go first? Sure. Uh, Juliana is with you and Ron and Markham. Oh. Uh, for tonight's anchor, they are going with the New York Knicks, two and a half well, there you over go. the Lakers. With no LeBron or AD tonight, so they seem to believe that LeBron and AD are not going to be available. They haven't been confirmed, but... So hold on. Did I, LeBron play yesterday? No. So that's why... But it could be, you know, he likes to rest sometimes. Back-to-back he, rest games That's what I'm LeBron? saying. I, I, I just... That's why I meant, like, when I said I don't think it's okay. fully confirmed. It isn't, but I would be unsurprised if he played. Okay, it doesn't so we're matter fa- to we're me. fact-checking Ron here. Juliana, anyway, is going with Dar- Darius Garland over 21 and a half points tonight. Hit that in 7 of 8. And another quick shout-out to Neil for the great tennis plays. Keep the winners coming, they say. Love that. Um, Eric in Burlington, he likes the over in the Hurricanes and Kings game. Both teams have been going over 6.5 quite frequently. I've also find the, found the line at 5.5. So if you find it there, it should be a lock, but I still like it at 6.5. That's not necessarily my view of the game. I'm kind of picking it because I think Carolina is going to really shut them down. But mm. uh, we may have to Agreed go that route because we don't have many wake and rake selections today. The next one is from Neil, but it's a non-pick. It's just a comment. He's a great, got an easy cover from Nascova yesterday, two and a half, winning by seven, as we mentioned. Hopefully, Justin Ailish jumped on that one. We did. Didn't see anything worth betting, as you mentioned, Ailish. So back tomorrow, he promises. All right, last one this morning, Chris and Mississauga. Morning Rakers, not much to choose for a pick, but I'll go with Brent Burns 
over two and a half shots. He's hit that nine of the last 10. That is probably one of the most random picks that we've ever gotten. I kind of like it though, because <laughs> it fits my narrative. Not that we should necessarily be massaging my narrative, but that's pretty cool to me. <laughs> if we're picking from that game and we're thinking about the Carolina hurricanes winning this game, winning comfortably, mm-hmm. maybe Brent Burns being a force on the power play, being a force as a, all situations rover makes sense to me. And I like nine from nine of 10 is a nice little stat to back it up. I'm seeing over two and a half shots at minus minus one eighty. Okay. That's a bit juicy. It's a bit juicy. Um, our other options are Garland over 21 and a half points or the over in the hurricanes and Kings. It's gotta be five and a half. If we're playing that, let me just double check where it is, where I'm looking. Um, I'm seeing it at six. So we're we're in push territory if we have to get well, there. Well, I picked the anchor yesterday, or did you? We kind of selected it. Why don't you just go with what you'd like? Not much option there. It's either Brent Burns, it's either over in Hurricanes and Kings, or Garland over two, 21 and a half points. How, how about a compromise? How about we adjust the pick that we received? Hurricanes team total over. Sure. <laughs> Which is at what? It's probably closer to even money. What is the number? You mean three, two and a half, three? It's probably three and a half. So if you're picking the over you're, and we're picking Carolina, we it's need Carolina. We need Carolina to score four goals, right? To hit an over. So why don't we just do that? Take LA out of the equation. Okay. It's at what and a half? Three and a half. For three the and a half. Three and a half. We need that to hit an over. So it's kind of like a half play. Okay. I like that you just made up a pick and <laughs> nobody has selected that. So we're just going with no. Okay. No, no. No. You pick then. No, I don't no, want. I don't want to pick. I don't want to be hypocritical. I'm not late. picking something it's I don't been like. Selected into the way. No, rank. it's not a. It's not an anchor. It's not an official anchor. Over, Carolina in regulation, and your pick being, the New York Knicks. That's the Waken rank. Okay, so that is going to be. Around six fifty today. Beautiful. Works for me. Quickly updating the Super Bowl line. Not really an update. The Eagles still two point favorites. So over the Chiefs, where I'm seeing it. We'll monitor that. We'll let you know if it gets to three mm-hmm. because three is an important number, clearly, uh, in any NFL game. So the Super Bowl, odds stagnant at the moment. We do have Randall over rebounds, the Hall of Famer in action tonight. You can always throw that in your parlay. I'm surprised nobody texted that in this morning. It's a quiet night. But our Randall's playing. But we can't make up picks. <laughs> no, we can't. <laughs> All right. Uh, no Toronto action tonight. We've got some NHL, a little more NBA. Tomorrow we'll set up the doubleheader on a little Wednesday action for you. Bruins and Utah and the Raptors on the road. That's it for us. Stay warm out there, folks. And we'll be back on Wednesday morning.